Let's Talk HR is a place for HR professionals, business owners, and employees to come together and share experiences, talk about what's working and what's not, how we can improve best practices so that companies can better attract, train, and retain all generations of workers. We all know that there has been a huge shift in what people want. Generations are coming together more than ever on what's important. Mental health has been brought to the forefront of everyone's mind. Let's humanize these conversations. Let's talk about how the economy has been impacted and what needs to happen to find a balance. I'm your host, Leon Lovely. So let's get this conversation started. And remember, if you enjoyed this episode, follow us, like us, and share us. This should be an amazing conversation with two brilliant women. Janine Carls is a senior operations manager who has led multiple lean transformations and ran operations for two large publicly traded corporations across multiple industries and business models. She started her career in supply chain management and progressed through lean and operation leadership roles. Through this journey, Shannon has improved cultures in numerous manufacturing facilities by leading employees' empowerment and engagement and building highly successful teams with a focus on business results. Shannon is known for leading accountable organizations built on trusting relationships that improve the company's profitability and customer experience. Shannon holds a bachelor's degree in supply chain management from Western Michigan University. My other amazing guest is Kathy Miller. Kathy Miller is the senior operations executive who has held numerous global vice president and director roles, both in manufacturing lean enterprise leadership. Kathy is a Shingo Prize recipient for large businesses as a plant manager. She started her career in operations as a 17-year-old co-op student at a vehicle assembly plant and progressed through the engineering, marketing, lean, manufacturing, and operation leadership roles, working for four large publicly traded corporations in executive roles. Kathy is a transformational leader who constantly delivers impressive business results through team development, process disciplines, and continuous improvement. Kathy is known for creation of inclusive culture based on a trust, respect, and accountability. Kathy holds a Bachelor's of Science degree in Industrial and System Engineering from the Kettering University, formerly GMI Engineering and Management Institute, a Master's degree of Business Administration from Ball State University, and a Master's degree in Applied Positive Psychology from the University of Pennsylvania. Kathy was inducted into the Women in Manufacturing Hall of Fame in 2021. Welcome, Kathy and Shannon. It is amazing to talk with you today. I've not had the opportunity to read your book, but I am very excited to have this conversation. I just I'm thrilled that two women come together and write such an amazing book about an industry that I'm sure has been an interesting ride for both of you to break into and really shine in. So thanks for being here. Thanks Thanks for for having having us. So why don't you start off by just telling me a little bit about yourselves? Um, Shannon, why don't you go first? Sure. Hi, I'm Shannon Carls. 
Um, I am the co-founder and co-author with Kathy Miller of Op Sisters and Steel Toes and Stilettos, which is a true story of two women manufacturing leaders and lean transformation success. I actually started my career in manufacturing in um, supply chain. So I spent quite a few years moving up through different supply chain functions and then found my passion in lean transformations uh, when I was doing that in one of my plants. And so I spent quite a few years working in different facilities, transforming plants using lean methodologies, and then started to run my own plants, which was really what I enjoyed doing the most and developing positive work cultures so that all people who work there could thrive and contribute to the business. Excellent. So Kathy, why don't you introduce yourself? Thanks, Leanne. Thanks, Shannon. So I'm Kathy Miller, and I have been in and around manufacturing operations for a very long time. I literally started my career at the age of 17 years old as a co-op student in a vehicle assembly plant. So I went to a school called GMI or Kettering University, and all five years of your undergraduate program, you work half the time in a real business. So I grew up very, very quickly. I always say that if I can't be a rock star, I'd love to run a vehicle assembly plant. And I think it's just because that's where my roots started. I think it's so amazing that every 60 seconds, a functioning vehicle comes off the end of that line. So uh, I went from there to work in automotive electronics and I worked in engineering and marketing. And after a while, I really found my way back to operations. I just really missed the whole soul of manufacturing, I would say. So I uh, went back, became a superintendent and ran a number of pressure sensor departments. I got a call and uh, the manufacturing superintendent said, Kathy, we're going to put you on a lean team in a special assignment. And I was very upset because I thought I was doing a good job. And I thought, you know, why are you sidelining me? but it actually changed the trajectory of my career. So I was able to learn from the very early practitioners of lean manufacturing themselves, Jim Womack, John Shook, Rick Harris. And since then I've led operations and led lean manufacturing and operating systems for four major companies. So that's what I've been doing. And it was in one of those assignments where I met Shannon. Excellent. And I was just going to ask, you know, how did the two of you, you know, come together? Where did your, your paths cross? <laughs> well, that's a great story. <laughs> and it's actually in the book, but in a nutshell, I was in charge of lean and quality for a company and was touring the globe, going to the different plants, checking out their quality systems and their progress in lean manufacturing. And I was really learning how to do lean packing and did not bring my safety shoes because they take up half of a carry-on piece of luggage. And I showed up at Shannon's plant and they said, no problem, Kathy, uh, we have extra safety shoes for you. They were all men's sizes or those little, like I call them duck boot things, you know, those little attachments you put on that you really can't walk around the plants in. So Shannon uh, very graciously overheard this conversation as I was, you know, distraught looking at this, these shelves of shoes and attachments that would not help me and came up and asked what my shoe size was. 
coincidentally, we wear the exact same size of shoes and she offered me hers so I could go on the plant tour. And that's how she became shoe sharing Shannon. That's right. And we still share shoes to this day. So true. How strange is, you know, I have, being that I come from a, a, you know, a background where I've toured many, many manufacturing companies, um, I too have experienced where I've walked into a company and I went, oh my gosh, I don't have my safety shoes. And mm-hmm. how often is it that they don't have a size, um, those, the duck shoe, the cap that goes on, mm-hmm. that wraps around, and then you're walking around and it, it's actually more unsafe because now you're yeah. flipping around and you're practically tripping over your own feet because... It's, it's half falling off because they're not made for women. They're, they're, or I shouldn't say they're not made for women. They're not made small enough for my tiny six and a half size shoe. And, and, and there is actually one time where one of the HR people said, don't worry, I have another, I have another pair of shoes. And I went, really? You're going to let me wear your shoes? She goes, yeah, it's way better than wearing those. And I went, yes. wow, okay, yeah, I would much prefer to do that. So that is that is an awesome story. I mean, because I, I guarantee that there are other women out there, which guessing, which is why you have been, you know, so successful in, in understanding those pains. There are a ton of other women out there who have experienced the exact same thing. Absolutely. So, yeah. So you, I mean, you obviously, you wrote a book, you, you referenced, you know, the story of how you met is in the book. So when did you start talking about the idea of writing your book and, you know, what inspired you originally to even start having this conversation? Yeah, it's another great story, actually. Um, Kathy and I are full of stories, by the way, but um, we, you'll, when you read the book, you'll learn that our relationship grew from this, you know, initial interaction to um, a subordinate boss relationship to a friendship to now it's more of like a sister, sister like friendship that we have. Um, So we spend a lot of time with our families. And one weekend, almost two years ago, we were reminiscing, hanging out, reminiscing about our time together. And at that time, Kathy and I were both running other businesses and having those challenges in itself. And we said, gosh, you know, we did some really great stuff when we were together. What made it so different? How come it doesn't work the same in these other places? And we were just reminiscing and comparing. And then we really started to think about, and we really did some really great things, not just great business results, which we got, um, not just great lean implementation, but then also the culture pieces that we instilled. And then we just looked at each other and we're like, you know, maybe we have a story to tell. And then we just kind of kept just chatting about it. And then I went home that day and the next day we had the title for the book and we started writing it and we had a manuscript written in less than a year. And here we are. That's awesome. It takes some people many, many, many years to come up with an idea, come up with a manuscript, come up with I mean, that's, that's amazing. The two of you obviously together are a, a power to be reckoned with. And that's, I mean, it, it, it shows just in, obviously people cannot see you, but 
the lights that I see, you know, just coming from from both of you is is, is amazing. Um, and to foster that friendship based on you know common interest and and you know that just that commonality um, and passion for something is is awesome. That's so great. So now you obviously you you work in a predominantly male environment, which by the way is it's changing. And you know if you can inspire you know the women the the young the young girls out there to to see that there is a place in the world for them in these environments in the manufacturing environment it doesn't have to be you know a male environment anymore and that's slowly changing you can be whatever you want to be when you grow up nowadays but did it feel that you had to work harder to be respected for your efforts you know working in 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 the manufacturing industry i think that's a really great question and we do really hope to inspire the next generation of manufacturing leaders and inspire them to know that they can be themselves. They don't have to adapt to, you know, a, a male stereotype or any of the other types of stereotypes you would have when you picture a manufacturing environment. But uh, I would say we didn't necessarily have to work harder. We did have to find our own way because there were times that we may have felt excluded, you know, even in the last decade here, there were still places where meetings were held that women weren't allowed, which is so interesting in this day and age. So there were, there were some environments where we weren't necessarily always included. So those were some challenges that we had, but I think that we both always worked very hard but there were times when we were singled out because of our gender, we didn't focus on it. You know, when we would walk into a room, we just considered ourselves people who had earned a seat at the table, right. Or, or a place to, to tour and to teach and, and contribute. But there are a lot of people who make statements sometimes very well-intentioned about, oh, a female plant manager, oh, a female vice president of operations. And like I said, most of the time, probably very well-intentioned, but it makes you feel a little bit minimized uh, to, you know, think about that one aspect of your identity, which we're very proud of, but there's a lot of credentials beyond, you know, (laughs) the fact that we're female. So we didn't necessarily have role models, too many role models to follow in this function. And that's what we're hoping to be. But we've always just worked hard and not considered gender a barrier. We never made issues of it unless other people did. And generally the issues that people made were, you know, comments. Right. It's interesting that you'd, you'd mentioned that you earned your seat at the table which is what we all need to do is we need to earn our seat at the table, regardless of what we're doing, but it shouldn't have to be above and beyond in any way that you earn that seat. But you also had mentioned that there were some places or environments that you, you weren't welcome or that it mm-hmm. didn't seem like you were welcome. Yeah. Um, mostly country club environments. So I had, when I was a executive, it came with a country club membership because you were supposed to go and take clients golfing or entertain them, you know, and and form those relationships that lead to good, strong, you know, pipelines for sales and growth for your organization and strong relationships with your customers. And 
one of the ones, and in all fairness, they have changed their policy now, but I went and uh, to see the new country club I was at, and I was asked to leave a room that had, you know, a popcorn machine in it and TVs because it was a room for men only. And, you know, this was in the 2010s. So unfortunately about that, my daughter who was going to college was super offended and left and didn't go back for a number of years, (laughs) but they changed the policy after that, but it really did leave an impression, you know, here I'm leading a business and, you know, I was like, what am I supposed to do? Just go to the lemonade room and send notes back and forth (laughs) to the, my male customers. So, you know, I would say under the door. Yeah. I mean, what's kind of funny about it is when men read the story now and and a lot of them are right. Mm -hmm. Just because they want to understand it. And you can read the book as a lean manufacturing guide too. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's not just for women, but that's the most shocking comment we get back is that, you know, they're still like within the last 10, 15 years, places that don't allow women to conduct business in them. Right. And I was going to say this was 2010. I mean, I I was thinking, okay, could this have been like in the early nineties or the eighties, but you're not old enough for it to have been back then. So our publishers asked if it was 1970, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Right. I mean, it's, it's, and I understand that, yeah, there are some people who are like, oh, I want to go to, I want to go somewhere where I can just hang out with the boys. I want to, to, to make a place a business or a, a place where that it's, that's just, I would think that there's not a place where you're going to conduct mutual business that would d- attempt to do that anymore now. Yeah. I, I mean, I it, haven't experienced it since then necessarily, right. but it was still right. not right. that long ago. Right. No, that, that really is not that long ago at all. I, I mean, um, yeah, I have no comment for that. It, to be perfectly honest, they, they should be ashamed of themselves that they were even in that day and age. I, and again, I can understand there are people who want to go and just hang out with the boys, but then make it known that here's a boy's room. Here's a girl's room. If you want to conduct business, however, here's where you go, you know, and they should call them locker rooms that here's the locker rooms. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's where you hang out with the boys. <laughs> Well, the good news is the good news about being the only female in most situations was, you know, during the meeting breaks, I didn't have a line at the restroom. Right. There you go. There were certainly advantages. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, of course, nowadays you wonder as our locker room is going to become just one gigantic room. I, you know, I have (laughs) your, again, Nobody can see this, but I can see the, the, the faces that are being made at this point. I, you, you never know. <laughs> In 10 years from now, everybody's going to go, oh, you remember when locker rooms were separated? <laughs> no, no, just, that is- yeah, you don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think the thing, the thing is uh, about Shannon and myself, we don't tend to dwell on the obstacles. A lot of people ask about it. There were some hurt feelings about that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and sometimes, you know, there's big meetings where there's recreation and almost always the, um, activities offered are golfing, skeet shooting and fishing, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and, and many women do enjoy that, 
I don't, you know, so you asked about working harder, not really, but there were certain situations where you had to try to fit in. Yeah. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There, I mean, still to this day, regular golf outings. The nice thing that I see at golf outings today is that um, it's it's not so much about the golf as it is about the community. And you see a lot of women walking on the course with a foursome and they're like, eh, I shot a couple holes. Now I'm just hanging out with the team. And it's become more of, hey, if you're going to a golf outing, you have to accept that this isn't going to be a serious, serious game. Or Yeah, there's lots of ways to make things inclusive. You can play best ball. And there's lots of amazing women golfers. I don't want to say that, you know, there's not at all. But um, I think the main thing, especially in a world where we are striving to be more diverse, to drive diversity of thought and more inclusive, you know, we just need to give a little bit more thought to Mm -hmm. those types of things. Yep. No. Now, you had mentioned a little bit, Shannon, especially you, you had mentioned a little bit about being very successful at driving that cultural change. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's something I definitely learned a lot of this um, from Kathy in our time together too, but you know, a lot of what she taught me was the importance of listening, the importance of building relationships. And, and I knew, I knew that was always important to me early on in my career. I knew that it wasn't going to be me getting it all done. It was all about the people around you that help. And so when I started leading plants, I just, my team was so important to me. And I wanted them to be successful. And so I spent a lot of time doing little things that would bring us together. And we would always have each other's backs. And, you know, I would get to, we would get to know each other. Um, every quarter we would do a, a, an ops luncheon and I would force them to play some game where we all got to know each other, you know, tell something about yourself nobody knows. Or we did one where they had to draw out a piece of paper of a bunch of questions and, and answer the question and, and just silly things like that. But I felt it really important that the more we know each other as people and less as our jobs, the more successful we will be. And driving that type of culture change is really the first and final step of driving any type of business transformation. It's all about trust and respect for each other. You're, you're so right. And it's funny that you use the, the word, I would force them to play some game, <laughs> you know, because in the beginning, it's always, they walk in, oh God, now we got to play this game. But at the end of it, everybody always walks out with a smile on their face. Yes. And as you see that cultural change, and again, I'm not speaking of somebody who's driven that cultural change. I'm speaking from somebody who's experienced that cultural change happening around me and being one of the people who's seeing it, you know, with my coworkers and going, wow, I'm feeling so much happier because people are really starting to get along and I'm getting along with people. But, you know, you walk in going, oh, another one of these games. Yeah, I have to do this. You know, guess who this is with these. De- but as it happens, you're going. This is this is fun. That I'm enjoying this. I in you know, and you do. You get to know people. You get to, and the more you get to know people, the more you like people. The more you want to do better at the company. The more you're invested in the company, and the harder it is to leave the company. And I always bring it back to retention because I'm a recruiter. I'm in HR. You know, companies always ask, how, you know, hey, how do I hire somebody? How do I train somebody? How do I get these people to stay? And it always, for me, comes back to retention. 
And what you said is, is that's it. Culture, happy, retain. Yeah. That's and that's not to say, Leanne, that it's all, you know, I say this a lot, but it's not all rainbows and unicorns every oh, day, no, right? Like, no, of course <clears> not. You know, Kathy and I drive a high level of accountability and high expectations of our teams. Mm-hmm. You know, we set those, we set, but we set that up front. It's not a moving target. It's here's, here's the expectations. I expect you to meet them. If you can't, let's have a discussion about it. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, this dictatorship, but it, it is, it's a very fine combination of that structure of accountability and relationships that drive performance. Right. Happier employees stay. And if you create genuine relationships with your employees, even the worst company will keep employees. And I'm not saying that you are have bad companies, but employees follow great leaders. They, I mean, and if you can be a great leader and you leave that company, many employees will start going, I wonder if they have an open position where she went. I mean, it, it's, it's just human nature to want to follow the light. And if you, if you are the light, then you will be followed because you have a tendency to create and spread your light around. It's just, that's, that's human nature. So. Yeah, positive relationships are yeah. so powerful. Yes, they are. Everywhere in life, including your workplace. Yep, absolutely. And and it's and it's interesting what one negative person can do in an environment and how quickly that can spread. So it's, you know, sorry. I'm I like I have a tendency to go off on tangents. Um <laughs> okay. We like your tangents. It's okay. <laughs> I am a complete and total nerd when it comes to talking about HR and culture and all that other stuff. Okay, so tell me about um, Op Sisters. You know, I don't want to spoil the book. I want people to, you know, read the book. I'm excited to read the book. So tell me a little bit of the the key highlights and what people are going to get out of this, not only from learning more about you, but, you know, you, you talk about it being kind of a lean manufacturing guide. So tell me a little bit more about it. Yeah. And Op Sisters is really, um, the book is really a subset of Op Sisters. So Kathy and I founded Op Sisters actually after we wrote the book and the name really signifies us. I mean, we really are, you know, sisters at heart and these operational leaders. So we wanted to inspire other Op Sisters to come up through this industry. So that's how, how that all started. And, and Op Sisters in itself is, you know, we wanted to expand on the book, um, take our, learnings really from what we went through, whether it was through lean methodology, cultural change, being a woman in leadership, coaching people. Um, We wanted to take all of that and expand that to continue to teach outside of just the book. So we, um, that's really a lot of what we do and and everything is listed on our website. So we'll do anything from, we're doing training um, on meaningful lean transformations. We uh, offer coaching from any leaders in manufacturing from team leaders all the way up to VPs. And we really just want to work with companies that need help and a transformation in terms of u- using me- lean methodologies and uh, implementing inclusive cultures. So that's what Op Sisters is about. And the book touches on all of those things in some way as part of the story. So we're really pulling from our experience in a real world situation and trying to transfer that out and expand that to more people in the world. It's not a real prescriptive 
book, you know how most business books are, these are the three things you must do or the five things you must do. It's, it's our story and there's a lot of learnings in it, but stories are so powerful, right? Because people can see themselves in the characters. I got an email the other night from a lady who tracked me down who I don't know. And she said, I got your book as a gift and um, I'm a quality manager at a plant. And I just laughed and cried through the whole book because I could really feel those experiences, many of which are similar you know, to what I've had. So just thanking us. And so, you know, we really want to teach through touching people's hearts, right. And letting them know that by having meaningful relationships and creating vision and mission and purpose for people beyond their own individual goals is really what gets results and, you know, makes the experience so much worth having. Well, and people can learn from some of our mistakes, maybe too. <laughs> yeah, we'll accelerate the journey for others. <laughs> That's great. You know, the best way to, to learn is through that of, of other people, well, or from your own mistakes. But why learn from your own mistakes when you can learn from that of other people? And, you know, you're offering such an amazing life story, life journey in so many ways. That's amazing. Thank you. So we are almost at time. And before we get there, I would love to ask you this, the question of the season. So if you could pinpoint a time period in your career that made a huge difference in your life or career path, when would that be and why? Kathy, why don't you go first? So it's that point that I already told you, um, you know, if we separate the being a working mom, right. And, and working through all of those things that that was a big deal as well, but from a purely career standpoint, it was when I got called in and was put on the special assignment. And like I said, I really did not want to go on the special assignment. I wanted to go the traditional path. And here I had the opportunity to learn from giants in the industry and it changed the whole trajectory of my career. So that was my pivotal moment was being open and saying, okay, I'm going to do this non-traditional thing you're asking me to do. And, uh, you know, this book wouldn't be here had it not been for that moment and someone taking a chance on me to try something different and non-traditional. And sometimes fate steps in and makes the decision. Yep. Makes the yep. decision for you. Yeah. Yes. And what about you, Shannon? Mine was a mine was a little bit different. And and I say this with all honesty, not just because Kathy is, you know, my friend and business partner, but um mine was when I started working with Kathy and our sensei, uh, Rick Harris. And I had already been exposed to lean a little bit and, and really believed it was the way to run these manufacturing businesses if you can do it right. And it wasn't, it, yes, they taught me the lean methodology and the lean tools, which I then took on to be able to successfully run other manufacturing facilities. But it, they taught me about what it is to be a true leader. And, you know, I was pretty young in my career and I had, I would say I was relatively high strung and very high demand type of an individual with <laughs> very high expectations for myself and everybody around me. But I learned how to be, you know, take that and not be an individual contributor and really be the leader I wanted to be. And in that moment where I was allowed to participate on that team and help drive that transformation 
is what changed my career for me. And that's awesome. That's and to continue to work with you know somebody who you feel has been a pivotal you know person in your in your life is is a gift. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you very much for sharing that. I thank you both for coming on and and talking with me today. Um, you you both have truly an amazing story, and and obviously it is a gift that the the two of you came into each other's lives at the time that you did because you have obviously lifted each other up to make each other more successful throughout your careers, and you continue to be, well, like sisters. That's right. So again, thank you so much for your time today. Thank, thank you, Leanne. Thank you again for listening to Let's Talk HR. I appreciate your time and support. Without you, the audience, this would not be possible. So don't forget that if you enjoyed this episode, to follow us, like us, or share us. Have a wonderful day.